Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GRS Giants. That's Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you with MJ. Welcome to another of the 50 most relevant. The number 11 player being revealed today is Melbourne football superstar Clayton Oliver. Tomorrow we hit the top 10 of who I believe are the most relevant players in Supercoach, Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. And what an exciting season of life fantasy coaches find themselves in. To help me talk about Clayton Al Oliver, I've got a good young man from the coaches panel. Got myself Jimmy on the line. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. You forgot my name for a minute, did you? No, mate. I was trying to find a nice way to build you up to talk about how Clayton Oliver's your boy, and then I kind of realised I don't think you own him in any kind of salary cap format. So, you... oh, God, I wish I owned him in a draft. Oh, on a draft, that way. wouldn't that be nice? No, oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's that's all okay. Uh, let's talk about him. Just twenty-one years old, <laughs> entering into his fourth season of AFL. An incredible midfielder. Last year, his best fantasy score was a 154 across all formats, but it was in different games. It was uh, for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. It was against the Gold Coast Suns, while it was for Supercoach against the Fremantle Dockers. In Supercoach, he is going to set you back about 660000 and that's due to a seasonal average of 114 And then in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, a year average of 109 and a price in fantasy of 792000 uh, while in AFL Dream Team, just marginally a little bit cheaper, $780,300 is the price tag he's going to set you back. But already at just 21 years old, Jimmy, he has accomplished so much as a footballer. Uh, last year, he finished second in the club's best and fairest after finishing third the year prior. Um, he was prolific. He picked up 734 disposals along with a season-high 40 and round out 18 against their match against the Cats. And he led the league in contested possessions with a 405. Uh, then I guess to top off that phenomenal season, he picked up all Australian honours for the four, first time. It's scary to think at just 21 what this kid has already accomplished and shown on the football field. Oh, look, and it certainly won't be the last time he gets it either, you wouldn't think. Um, yeah, as you said, he is an absolute jet. There's no question about that. No, it, it, the, the things that this guy can do on a football field for his age are just simply incredible. He, he's hit that rarefied air where guys like McRae um, and Nat Fife in their second year in the system were able to hit that 100-plus average year. And we will talk about his 2017 season. But just last year in Supercoach, he did take his scoring up another gear from that fantastic breakout year of 2017. From his 22 games last year, he had 16 Supercoach tons. 12 of those were over 120. And five of them were over 135, finishing with a seasonal average of 114. And when Oliver did manage to hit that 100 marker in Supercoach, his average score over 100 was 126. And Jimmy, numbers like that put him not just as a really difficult option to pass on, but a guy that in Supercoach, we've got that captaincy loophole every week, he comes into the contention most weeks as a vice-captaincy slash captaincy option. Oh, look, and that sort of option, um, having that up your sleeve, is very, very handy, especially when we don't have a, a perma-captain type this year, as we've mentioned before. Um, that's, um, yeah, the more of those options you've got up your sleeve, the, the better off you are. And 
um, especially with Dream Team looking to do that rolling lockout as well now. Um, it's going to be very, very handy. Oh, no, I totally agree with you. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, the format you mentioned, he scored 14 tonnes last year, lifted that seasonal average up eight points from the previous one, and has now firmly established himself not just in Supercoach, but in all salary cap formats of the game now as a top eight midfielder. Um, one of the knocks people kind of had on him maybe prior to last year was that he didn't have the same level of um, kick-to-handball ratio. I know Fox isn't on, uh, and so because of that, they're like, oh, he's not a genuine captaincy option because he doesn't get those big, you know, 120-plus scores. He handballs more than he kicks. Um, and while there, there was some probably some merit to that as a conversation point in 2017, it's probably a little bit more difficult to say that's true coming into 2018. Um, because we started to see that ratio kick back a, a little bit more. And uh, of his final six tons for the year last year, they were all over 120, while he only had three of his 14 tons under 110. So to suggest that in AFL fantasy, he lacks that ceiling in contrast to Supercoach, it's probably not so much of a fair comment anymore. No, I don't think it is. He's shown that he can put those numbers up, which is great. And and that ratio is still well out. His um, kicks to handballs last year, I think, were was something. You know, it was close to double the amount of handballs. Um, yeah, there we go, four hundred and fifteen to two hundred and forty kicks. So mm. he's still going well and above um, by hand compared to foot, but he's still putting those numbers up. The the tackle numbers. You know, he's averaging seven of those a game, and um, you know the. Just the sheer volume of ball that he's getting um, means that he's not really needing to to have it, you know, predominantly his kicks to be getting those points. If he did do that, then obviously that's going to add another little level to his scoring again. But um, as it is, that ratio is pretty irrelevant, I think, as far as um, his scoring overall is concerned. Yeah, and a misunderstanding, too, of the type of footballer he is and where he wins the ball um, is because he is an in and under contested ball, extracting the ball out, getting on on the outside uh, to guys like an Angus Brayshaw, who's still got a bit of an inside component to his game. We featured him in the 50 most relevant. Um, Getting Oliver on the inside, extracting the ball out, dishing it out, um, being the first touch player, at the contest is where Melbourne want him. And while he's certainly not the worst kick of the football, if you've got the opportunity to have Oliver winning the ball for you in the contest, as opposed to being on the outside, I think every Melbourne fan knows exactly where they want him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, as, it's as good as he gets for that type of role player. And you mentioned Brayshaw there, and um, you know, they've got other in and under types like a, a Viney and... Um, uh, James Harms as well did mm. a fair bit of that role as well last year. Petraka can do it as well. Yeah. And I think when you look at that Melbourne list, that midfield um, with with all, um, I think, objectiveness um, you know, considered, is has to be considered, I think, in the same bracket as Collingwood's midfield at the moment. You, know, you look at, you know, they've got Gorn feeding yeah. down to, to Viney, to, to Brayshaw, to Oliver, to Harms, to Petraka, to... Um, Nathan Jones in there as well. That's um, that's a huge core unit, and and all of those players have got potential to score well. And I don't think, um, as we spoke about when we were talking about a few Collingwood players last week, there um, that there's no reason why they can't all score well given the type of football they play. Yeah, and they've shown they can coexist for long periods of time. Last yep. year, um, you know, he didn't have his breakout year last year. Clayton Oliver, he had that mm. as a second year 
player. Um, in 2017, we saw the beginnings of this fantasy footy dominance. That year in Supercoach, he scored 17 tons. So it was more than what he did last year, just as a reference point. And dipped his scoring just once under 90. Some incredible consistency right there. While in AFL Fantasy, nine tons in his second season and only twice that year dropping his score below 90. So here we're seeing a guy who's got the ability to have a really high scoring basement because he's not dependent on others to get him the ball to score as a fantasy player. He wins the ball. And we are starting to see him consistently develop time on time again. Just from a, a pure super coach perspective, if you look at his past 44 games, 33 of them, he scored 100. 33 of the past 44 games in super coach, he has tunned up. And just five scores in those 44 have been under 90. He's not going to hurt you in terms of if you own him and he has a bad game. It is so rare. Where he is going to hurt you is if you don't have him. In AFL Fantasy, um, during those 44 games, 21 tons and dipped below 90 in just the eight matches. But if you look back at how that's actually gone in his 2018 season... He has barely dropped beneath that 90 marker just last year. So the frequency we're getting of hundreds and sub-90 scores, it's a perfect combination for fantasy coaches. Oh, that's it. And as you've highlighted, he's only had three years to date. And, and while in some ways that's a small sample size, it's also shown you that he's hit that elite level very quickly. And really, I can't see any reason why that's going to drop down any further. No, it's really hard to find a, a fault or a gap or a, or a problem in, okay, well, I believe he's going to drop here. His score's going to impact there. I know I know some have, have made the claim that the absence of Jack Viney, the, the club's co-captain, has been a, a growth pattern for not just Brayshaw, but also for Oliver's scoring, you know, increasing. Yeah. But really, if you look at the numbers in 2017, that's probably not the case. But in the games they did play this year, um, you know, the seven games this year, the 18 games last year, um, he still managed to average 106.7 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 108 in Supercoach. Now, it's seven games, so it's low data, but it also based off that, to suggest Viney playing more frequently diminishes Oliver's score. I, I feel like the phrase clutching at straws may be the best answer for that. <laughs> yeah, just um, yeah, tell them how you really feel. I think, yeah, look, that's um, a, a pretty fair assessment. There's um, Viney's absence may have certainly helped Oliver grow into that role and sure. give him that opportunity he may not have had otherwise. But once now that he's there, um, he's very clearly going to be a first-choice mid for them and going to have that opportunity to, to be around the ball and getting those sort of scores. I don't think there's any argument about that. I think the only reasons you, you won't want to consider him this year, I think he has to be at least an option yeah. for, for coaches, um, is if, uh, for whatever reason, um, his buy round doesn't suit, um, although he's got a lot less uh, competition on that front than uh, perhaps other premiums we might be considering. Mm. Um, it might be that uh, you, know, you just don't like him for whatever reason. I know some of... Your anti-redhead? I don't know. That's it. He's got red hair. He's got a punchable face. He's oh. flopped on the field every now and then. I don't know. You can look at any of those things, I guess, and say, you know what? I'd rather not have him in my team. But objectively, I think, um, you know, if you're not starting him, I think you at least have to concede that there is every chance that he could be a top 10 mid for the year um, based on what he's done. 
and therefore um, if you're choosing not to start him for whatever reason it might be, um, you have to at least acknowledge that he may be the type of player you want to bring in at some point. Yeah, you talk about that buy round. He shares it with Brisbane, Collingwood, Sydney, West Coast and Geelong. From a fantasy football perspective, definitely in Supercoach from my opinion. I know others are more keen in fantasy and dream team. Um, in contrast to me, you've got a Lockie Neal option through there. I think he's a Supercoach option at this stage, more so than any other format. Collingwood, you've got about 72 midfielders that could be picked through there in the midfield. Sydney, uh, not anyone really of note that is popular just yet. Maybe a Luke Parker breakout, but I think he's going to stick pretty similar to what we've seen. It's in the other lines that Sydney have some fantasy relevant players. Geelong, yep. the most relevant for us is eligible as a forward um, a couple of their players and then West Coast it's someone we've already talked about in Elliot Yo. so you're right the the competition for selections from that buy round in our midfield is nowhere near as you know pro- prominent because you look at the round before you've got Merritt, Fife, um, Seb Ross and Jackson McRae as very popular options that people are seriously considering while in round 14 you've got Crouch, Sloan, Patrick Cripps, Kelly, Cornelio, Taranto, Dusty and you know that are the more popular names that are being thrown out and many of them are being mentioned in the 50 most relevant and so you're right I think that's a a unique opportunity it maybe means you can get away with upgrading to him a little bit later in fantasy and dream team especially i think you could maybe get away with that in that format if there was ever a format you were kind of going to hedge your bets a little bit and go okay where am i going to get hurt by not starting him i think in supercoach it's similar to what we spoke about with patrick cripps you know just the other day um of if you don't start him in Supercoach, he's the kind of guy that can take a season away from you really, really quickly. It doesn't mean he's a must-have and if you don't have him, your year's done, but rather he's the type of player with that scoring ceiling and consistency of high scoring in Supercoach, more so than Dream Dream Team, but definitely there still. He's the kind of guy that can take a season away from you before you get to the halfway marker. Oh, that's it, man. And he had that run um, towards the end of last season in, in Supercoach where um, over, I think it was about six weeks, he averaged about 132, I think, from memory. Yeah. Um, and and that um, that's going to burn you every day. If he opens with that and you haven't got him, it's going to be very hard to get him at that stage. So it's, um, look, I don't uh, necessarily want to throw the words must-have around, but um, at this point, uh, Oliver and Cripps are the, the first two players I'm thinking in Supercoach. Yeah, look, you, you look at those run-home scores in, in Supercoach, you know, from round 15 onwards, 154, 136, 127, 101, 147, 121, and, and then the final game um, of, uh, or the second final game of the year, there's a 93 and a 107. Like, the, the guy just builds ton after ton after ton um, you know, consistently with big 120 plus scores, and even in you know fantasy and dream team, you know the run home 141, 121, 136, 89, 154, 127, 75, 98. You know, you really can build a case that he's a player that if you don't start with, gosh, you're going to want to get him in really quick, quickly into your side. And I suppose the round 13 by Duds give you that kind of opportunity to look at him. Um, what It's really difficult, like I said, to find a fault in his game because he wins so much of the ball in tight, which is super coach certainly bodes well for him. Um, still only about 83% time on ground, so you could build a case that there's maybe 2 or 3% that that could grow just a third-year player coming into his fourth year, still building that fitness space. You could maybe build that case. What I think is more exciting to look at is the trend 
um, of his kick to handball ratio in 2017 he averaged eight kicks and 22 handballs whereas just last year it was 10 kicks and 19 handballs if that can continue on that trend a little bit more you know maybe bump up an extra kick or two a game uh, even if it's a sacrifice of a handball or so uh, I think that bodes well for Clayton Oliver and again I like you here at the coaches panel we don't like using the phrase must have because it implies if you don't have them you cannot win and uh, almost on every single occasion, that can be proven to be not true. Um, but gosh, he's as close to it in Supercoach for me um, as a starting squad option as you can possibly get. Yeah, look, it's, um, as I said, there's not too many reasons not to pick him other than um, simply not having enough spots in your team for that type of player. Mm. And if you're starting with... You know, four or five or, or potentially up to six premium mids and there's four or five or six others that you like more than him, fair enough too. Not going to talk you out of any of them by any stretch and you could make a fairly reasonable case on, yeah. on enough options that you don't have to start Oliver. Um, and we could make the same argument. You know, sure. Nothing wrong with starting a midfield um, you know, based around, say, and especially in Supercoach, you might have, um, say, McRae, Kelly, Fife, Canelio and... Um, I don't know, someone else. <laughs> but enough options that you don't yeah. need to have Oliver in there. Um, but I think he needs to be at least in that conversation. Yeah, he does. When looking at who are we starting in those formats, um, and as you said, especially in Supercoach, as a, a genuine option as a, a player to start and keep for the year. Yeah, look, if you don't start Clayton Oliver, you need to certainly map out a plan. If he continues on, at very least, if not goes again and grows more, of how are you going to get him into your side? Because I think I don't see a world where he's not a, a top eight midfielder based on average and points scored across every format. Currently in my dream team and super coach sides, he's heavily locked away. And in AFL fantasy, I'm just going for a little bit more value with most of my midfielders this year. So he's certainly going to find his way into my side in fantasy this year. Just probably not going to start there. Let's talk yeah. drafts though. Mm-hmm. Where does he go in a draft? Is it similar in a super coach format, Jimmy, for you as it is in, say, an AFL Fantasy Dream Team Ultimate footy scoring format? Or is it a little bit earlier in a super coach draft? Uh, maybe a touch, but I don't think by too much. I think in, in both formats, he's a first-round pick, more than likely. Um, I think he's in that conversation there. I think it's really just going to depend on um, how many players are taken from outside the midfield in that first round. Yeah. Um, if people are loading up on those uh, top line forwards and defenders early, um, you know, there is a chance in, in, in a Dream Team or Fantasy draft he might sneak to the second. But uh, I think in most in most drafts in both formats, he'll, he'll be taken in the first round. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think he's a top 10 midfielder this year, uh, if, if not higher across the formats. And I'm intrigued. We haven't spent a heap of time talking about draft strategies through the 50 most relevant podcasts, rather keeping it focused on players. But you you mentioned an interesting point that we are seeing this trend of, um, especially defenders more so than forwards beyond Dangerfield, but certainly guys like Lloyd, Laird, Whitfield, um, gosh, even a Sicily in, in super coach drafts, going yeah. kind of selections from about Four to 12. Um, you know, maybe Cripps kind of trumps a couple of those players through there in a super coach draft, but definitely Lloyd, Laird, Whitfield, and Sicily early on. Could you build a case, though, where instead of locking in one of those big premium defensive options, you go, I'm going to land myself a, a Crouch and an Oliver or a Merritt and an Oliver, 
um, mm-hmm. gosh, uh, Kelly and, uh, and Oliver, maybe that's a, a bit too much of a stretch to think you'll get them both. Um, but is that an interesting strategy that you consider going two big top five, top eight midfielders and then think, yep. uh, maybe I'll, I'll pick up my forwards and defenders, you know, on on the wraparound of round three and four. It's probably more likely for someone late first round selection than an early yeah. first round selection. Is that a strategy worth considering? Look, I think it is. Um, and the, the draft doctors, um, our mates over there, have put together a really good tool for mapping out those sort of draft strategies. So very much recommend that people go and look at... Um, uh, look at that mock draft tool that they've um, put up there so you can play around with those strategies. But I think what we're going to find, and there's not necessarily a right or wrong way to do this um, without wanting to get too many uh, splinters on the mm. backside, but sitting on the fence. But it's um, if you do take those those two premium mids first up, that's all well and good. But at some stage, you do need to get those forwards and defenders to fill out your team. And if you start your draft with... Um, uh, by getting, say, a, a forward and a defender with your first two picks, coming into the third and fourth round, there are still going to be 200-point mids available for you to start with. Um, and if you pick the right ones, and there's always going to be a little bit of luck as sure. which ones go at 100 and which ones go at 110. And, and a player like, a um, say, a, a steel sidebottom, for example, is someone I think will still be available in the third and someone that you're not going to be overly upset about having as your first mid. So there's... Ways of doing it, and I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer. A lot of it's going to come down to when those runs on players come, um, and whether you end up getting sucked into that. And uh, you know, in the first round, as you said, if say a, a Lloyd Led and Whitfield and um, you know, Sicily in a super coach draft, or a um, Devon uh, maybe say, in the forward line. Yeah, that's it. Those sort of players are all going early. Um, I think that's a good time to take the two biggest mids you possibly can at that point because you're going to have a fair advantage over them on that side of things because if you follow that trend and you're taking the fifth or sixth best defender Mm. at your first, I think you're a little bit behind on that line already and then you're going to be matching that in the midfield on the next pick. So to me, it makes sense to, in a lot of ways to pick against the trend in a draft rather than following it. It'll be certainly something we keep talking about over the next 40-odd days heading to the first lockout for your drafts in an existing Keeper League. He's one of those guys similar to Patrick Cripps of a couple of days ago and maybe some others that we're going to mention in the 50 Most Relevant. Everyone's gettable in an existing Keeper League, but sometimes the price you have to pay to get them is probably not really worth it. Oh, absolutely. I think in a brand-new Keeper League, Oliver's taken in the first handful of picks and that tells you his value in an existing Keeper League as well. So... Is um, you, you, whatever you've got, you're paying overs to get it. Yep. Um, and there's no real reason to consider selling him unless somebody is willing to pay you overs to get, to get him out of you. So I think, um, yeah, unless it's really just a like for like, and um, you know, you've got a uh, you're a Carlton fan, and there's a, a D's fan in your league, and you want to do a straight swap of the two for whatever reason. Sure. And, you know, I suppose that's all well and good, and everyone's happy. But uh, by and large, he sits in that. Um, yeah, he's, he's as close to untradeable as it gets. Yeah, no, fair enough too, man. Hey, appreciate your thoughts today on Clayton Oliver. No worries, mate. Anytime. If you want to go and check out the article on Clayton Oliver, you can do that at coachespanel.tv. You can go back and check out the podcast of re-listening to this one or any of the other 50 most relevant we have done thus far via Spotify or iTunes. If you've been loving these daily podcasts, I encourage you to go and leave a five-star rating and review. really helps others discover the Coaches Panel. And if you want some early access to these podcasts, or some exclusive other content and 
enjoying what the coaches panel are bringing in 2019 encourage you to become a member of our patreon and pledge your support you can find all the links for that at coachespanel.tv tomorrow is a very important day for the coaches panel and for you as a listener we enter into the top 10 of the 50 most relevant there is a youtube video uh, it's been shared across all our social channels where we want to give you an opportunity to win an afl prospectus if you can correctly guess in order the top 10 if you can do it you get a prospectus and a heap of other stuff check out all the videos all the details there a massive prize up for grabs if you can nail the top 10 of the 50 most relevant